mentally or physically, success could be defined as getting up one more time after you've been knocked down over and over and over again. I'm T. Wood, and this is Triumphant Moments, where I highlight significant moments in life that are far beyond the surface to inform, encourage, and inspire people to triumph over their life's challenges. With me today, I have Mr. Ronald Miles. He is from Baltimore, Maryland, has a Bachelor of Arts from Morgan State, excuse me, the Morgan State University. Mr. Miles retired from the Department of Housing and Urban Development, where he served as a Community Builder of Operations Specialist and Field Officer Director. He is the founder, CEO, and president of RJY Chickweb Council, Incorporated, and is the author of a book titled, Little Ronnie of East Baltimore. Mr. Miles is married, has about four, four, right, right? Has about four adult children and four grandchildren. Welcome, my brother, welcome. Hey, thank you, sir, thank you, thank you so much. Glad to have you here. Let's just go ahead and jump right on into it. All right, let's go. Uh, what, what does a, 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 a regular, I guess regular day look like for you when you wake up in the morning? Do you have a routine? Does you exercise, a certain thing you eat? Yes, yeah, sometimes. Okay. Let me tell you about it. Mm -hmm. I tell you, when you're into the kind of work that I do, I have sleepless nights. Mm. I have sleepless nights because I'm, it seems my head just keep going on and on because there's always something to do. But then I have to pull back on that, having to do something and take some time out for myself. Right. So what I do is I might take a bike ride. Right. It wasn't too long ago, about a year ago, I just did a walk. I walked about 15 miles a week. Wow. Um, and I had to lose some weight there, so I did that. Okay. So now it's just a day and my head just keep going because there's just so much to be done and can't get it all done in one time. Okay, I'll tell you what, uh, with that being said, I can relate to that. And sometimes it gets a little tough to kind of structure your thoughts because there's so much going on. There's so much going on. It, it, let's switch lanes real quick. Y'all, we are, let me send a shout out to Terra Loft Consulting. They're housing us here and we want to, their Terra Cafe located in Baltimore, Maryland. We want to send a shout out to Terra Loft Consulting for having us here. We want to show lots of love here. Y'all check it out if you're in town, if you're in the city, definitely check it out. Uh, how would you describe growing up in Baltimore, Maryland? Wow, I tell you, growing up in Baltimore, actually, <clears throat> I come from a family of seven brothers and four sisters. I was actually born in Somerset Projects. My mother didn't even get to the hospital. I was born in the house. Woo! <laughs> so, but again, it was a very exciting life. Um, it was in East Baltimore in Somerset Projects, now demolished, but that was my foundation. I went to several elementary schools, but I had, for me, some older brothers who gave me a lot of guidance. Uh, you know, as a little guy, you walk behind them and you check them out because there's some good things and yeah. some bad things. Right. Right. So I can say some things that I, my father has said to us as well, but it's a, it's, it's, it was a heck of an experience. I was going to ask you, was it a mother and father, both in the home? Absolutely, okay. yes. Okay. It, it got to come from a blended family. So um, mother and father in the house. My father was actually a stevedore and my mother was kind of a domestic. 
and I would also have to say that I'm I'm first generation college in my family. Wow. <laughs> say I'm that the, say that again, please. I'm first generation, and let me tell you this: it was very interesting because I was, I guess I was a very active kid. Oh, right. And I was in this group called the Cadets of America. I was like 12 years old, okay. and we was invited out Morgan State College right. at a homecoming. Uh oh. I went out there and seen that place and said, what the heck is this? And so at the age of 12, I indicated that I was going to Morgan State. You got a glimpse of the HBCU homecoming <laughs> at the age of 12. Yes, sir. Fell in love ever since you saw that. I did. I, it just went all the way through me. I didn't know anything about a college. Although going through high school, I was in um, college prep. Right. I didn't know what academic private prep was. Mm -hmm. But again, I got that opportunity to attend Morgan State, up first generation college. I tell you what, in, in switching lanes here, what piqued your interest in urban development? Wow. That was interesting okay. because at Morgan, I studied um, history and secondary education. Okay. So I stumbled into community work because I taught one year in the um, Baltimore City Public School System. And then I was hired by the Archdiocese of Baltimore as a community organizer wow. in one of the most challenging neighborhoods here in Baltimore. So I've taken that and then I was in grad school. So I thought that I could work, I could do this job as a community person in the evening because I did the school stuff in the day. But I got so entrenched in it by going in the community and learning and talking to people as far as some of the things they needed done in the neighborhood. Now, see, I, I didn't want to gloss over it. Could you help the followers know, when you said uh, one of the most challenging uh, uh, neighborhoods in, in the city, well, what do you consider challenging? Like, what are some of the challenges that you, that you had to face? Well, here in Baltimore, there's a community called Park Heights. Okay. Um, Park Heights, again, it wasn't about gentrification, but again, it was low-income neighborhood. It was a neighborhood where the city was doing some development. Okay. And so having to go into that neighborhood to begin to expose people to what that meant to them and how they can embrace changes in the neighborhood. That's, that was challenging and it's still going on today. Was it challenging of, of, the, of the, maybe the people within the community not accepting it? Was it, was it or was it just getting the resources? What would you say? Well, the, the challenges is we have to be careful because a lot of people accept things, accept that how do you broker to get things that you want for you and your community. Because folks will come in and do things for you, but how do I go in and get what I want? Let me tell you, one of the things is we have people to come into our neighborhoods, developers, they broker everything. We become consumers. We do not own anything. So the idea of working with the community that you broker to get something out of whatever they are developing is a challenge. So we do not become just consumers, but also investors. That goes on today. When, when you look at, um, let's take a look at RJ Chick Webb Council Incorporated. Uh, now this is an organization that's committed to ensuring the sustainability of the historic Chick Webb Memorial Recreation Center. Now, this is also located in Baltimore, Maryland. Yes, it is. Uh, what more can you tell us about that? Very, very interesting. The um, Chick Webb Mem 
First of all, the Chick Webb Center is the only center in America built by renowned black folk mm. from the ground up. It was built in 1947. Segregated Baltimore did not have anything, but on Chick Webb's deathbed, he won the rec center. So this center was actually built by renowned black folk that included Joe Lewis, Ella Fitzgerald, Jackie Marmalady, Duke Ellington. People didn't know it. And I will tell you, four, year, four years ago, again with community development, it was being proposed for demolition. So myself had to do the research to find out how it was built and to educate the community of its historical character. So eight months to make it historic designee, but after you make it historic, what do we do after that? Then because of the disinvestment over the course of years, we created RJY Chick Webb Council to carry on the work of, of a group of people who came together to prevent the demolition and the historic. It had to be a continuum. So this is why I then created the RJY Chick Webb Council to continue the process and to hold the city and others accountable for investing, and that's where we are today. To invest in it, we're gonna pres preserve it, it's, going, it's historic, so, and it's in a neighborhood with about a billion dollar contract coming in to build new homes and everything right around that center. But we had to work to uh, get equity after all many years of disinvestment for that particular rec center and to educate not only Baltimore City about the rec center, but the nation. Because there's nowhere else in the country that renowned black folk came to build a center and to learn more about William Henry Chickweb himself, who's the most famous drummer in the country in the 40s, who grew up here in Baltimore, and we did. Let me tell you something else. I went in that center when I was nine years old to learn how to swim. I tell the city now that when I went to Chickweb, I used to take a bath in a tin tub in front of a pot belly Please stove. repeat that. You was 10 years old? Nine. I took a bath in a tin tub in front of a pot-belly stove. When I went over to Chickwear Rex and learned how to swim, not only did I get all my Red Cross certifications, my first A and only A I ever got in college was for swimming. Not only that, but I also became a lifeguard and it helped me pay my way through school and to take care of my family. Wow. So that is what embraced me to be so compassionate of the um, historic Chick Webb Memorial Recreation Center and to find out that I was 70 years old wow. before I learned mm. of the history because that was a death with wish of Chick Webb. Mm. And what he said was, because Baltimore, we couldn't go to no other public facility for black folk and that was the only one. As I told you before, this is Triumphant Moment with T. Wood. As y'all can see, we're in a different location. We're actually inside of a portion of Terra Cafe. Look, if you hear some jazz music, they coming together, the band coming together. You got things setting up on the outside. They got the food going and everything. So look, you think that's gonna stop this information? No, Baltimore said, look, we need you to hear this. You need this information. So Triumph Moments with T. Wood and my man Ron Miles, we're going to make sure we get the information to you. 
Alright? So if you hear a little jazz music, don't run away. Don't shy away. Go ahead and dance in your seat if you're listening to it as a matter of fact. Now, continuing on. Now, understanding that we all go through different ups and downs in our life. You know, but we always have to try to find some way to push through. Okay? And sometimes it really breaks at us. Can you think of something in particular in your life that was very challenging for you to overcome? And maybe not even overcome, you found a way to cope with it and still press forward in life. <clears throat> yeah, I can, I can share with that. I have, some, I have so many challenges in my life. But I tell you, one of the first challenges I had was the loss of my six-year-old daughter from leukemia. And she was a twin. So again, not understanding how God works. We had to go through that. I actually went to Hopkins, and then I had to move my family up to Rochester, New York, the Straw Memorial uh, Hospital back in the day. Right. And um, the challenges I had to make to go through that and to accept that this was not anything that we planned. Because one time, people asked you, why you, why you? But again, it just happened that God chose the time for her to go. And she was a twin, went to the bone marrow transplant. And for my family and everything, um, I had to go up there. And myself, I used to put work first, which is crazy. Because I came back to work while my wife and my youngest son was in New York. And I commuted um, coming to work and going back, so I didn't want to miss work. And I, put, I just put that ahead of me. But again, it was time that I should have taken with my family because I came home on a Sunday and she passed that, 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 um, that evening. And I had to make my way back to Rochester, New York. Um, so again, being so committed to work, I wanted to make sure that I gave my staff whatever they needed to do and then I'm going back. But no, you know, so. If there's someone that is a follower that is listening to this right now, that is in a similar situation to where that work is coming before spending time with the family, what would you tell them right now? I would tell them to take the time and be with the family. I mean, we cannot be putting those careers and the jobs in front of us when it's time for those, those moments. But I also would say this, I had a lot of support from the communities. Um, because again, I didn't make a lot of money, but did some people did some fundraising for us where I was able to have to um, house my family in Rochester while I was commuting. Uh, you know, doing that late Friday night drive back to Rochester. Um, but what I learned though was um, I should have I stayed with, with my family. Um, going into that room, doing chemo, watching the flashes and all of that kind of stuff. But that got to me, it, that really did. And I had to go through it. But you know, in going through it, I, I, I pressed inside and it took me some months. Because mm. when I came back home and went to her bedroom, that's when I exploded and let go. Mm. But it, it, it was a very challenging time because I had to remain strong because my wife wasn't strong. She was crying and all that stuff. But I had to re remain strong. And I'll tell you, even for the funeral arrangements, when the folks stopped you at the door to tell you to pay before you went in, I had to put some stuff on hold to go through that. The lack of sensitivity in that process. Wow. I, I want to make sure that our listeners and our followers understand that even in the sense of crying or shedding tears, that is not necessarily a weakness, 
But what, what he's explaining, what my brother Ron is explaining is he knew in that position that he had to take the lead in pushing forward and recovering and just surviving this. He had to take a certain position in that. And you did it. What would you say was the major key ingredient for someone who might be experiencing that right now? What was the one thing that, that you did emotionally or mentally to have you sit standing here right now in front of us? Well, I'll have to say that I leaned quite a bit of reflections. I'm not a religious person, um, but maybe reflections as to what my dad would have done and, what, and other sacrifices that I've seen taking place in my house growing up. And the, 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 what they built inside of us in that house that I grew up in was how we connected and how my family was there. And that gave me, that gave me strength because I always knew that someone else was there for me should I fell. Uh, so again, it's good to leverage right. with folks who are very close to you and right. who, who love you mm. as an individual and as a person. Uh, and you don't find that too often. And again, you got to check out who your friends might be because everybody else got a best friend. But to me, it was my family. It was my family. My followers. My sisters. Followers, I want y'all to understand that, you know, don't ever get mixed up uh, friendship and support uh, based on just number of years. It's <laughs> not just based on that, all right? People will show you in the way they treat you in the times of need or without need, how they encourage you, who are going to be there. Don't get that confused. Brother Ronald Miles, I really appreciate your time here. I wanted you to be able to provide some encouragement for free. No matter what we've talked about, or it could have been something that you learned growing up, what is the one thing right now that you can provide to all of our listeners some encouragement for free right now? The encouragement for free, what I would say, is is trust in yourself and never, ever, ever give up. The idea of not about yourself, but about others as well, because we're here as a tool. We're here as a tool of God. I always say, I say now, I came into this world with nothing. I expect to leave with nothing. Before leaving, I will leave something. Mm. I leave it like that, because again, the image is to what it is that I contribute to family, associates, community. This is all I can do. And I want to live by that. I want to thank you for coming here I'm on the show. You know you're part of the family. And you know I'll be getting with you, you know, later on, later time for some other projects. But I really appreciate you being a part of the triumphant moment with T. Wood family. Uh, is there anything else you want to say to the followers before we... No, I'm just looking forward to being able to share more with you. Uh, I am basically tied into working with and for our people. Right. And not selfishness. Right. And again, being a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity about service and duty and giving back. That's right. And that's what we do. That's right. As I've told you many, 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 many times over, Triumph Moment with T with family, sometimes in life, you must fail in order to succeed. But one thing must remain certain, that you never, ever, ever give up. Trump from Moses T. Wood, Ronald Miles. Take care. Bye-bye.